Hello, you're listening to No Such Word as Can't with me, Hazel McBride. I was always told growing up that there was no such word as can't, and I genuinely believe that that mentality instilled a belief in me that anything was possible if I just set my mind to it. As someone who started off with a seemingly impossible dream and somehow made it my reality, I want to help more people achieve their goals by giving them actionable advice, as well as sharing stories from others who have done the same. So today I want to welcome Louise Young to the podcast. Louise and I connected last year when I finally decided to start up my singing lessons again. Unfortunately, I've kind of let them fall by the wayside. Hi, Louise. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, I'm so excited to have you here. You know, what I know about your story so far, you, you've pursued so many dreams, you know, your dream of acting and singing in the West End and now becoming um, a vocal coach and helping so many people, you know, both in person and also online. You know, you definitely embraced the, the Zoom call throughout the pandemic. Um, so, yeah, I'm so excited for you to be here. Oh, me too. Yeah, it's, it's been a while since we had our last singing lesson, isn't it? Yeah, don't remind me. I feel so bad. <laughs> <laughs> but she's amazing. Oh, my goodness. The sounds you had coming out of my mouth. I was I was surprised. Oh, it's very impressive. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, whatever Louise is doing works. Um, but you yourself are such an incredible singer. And I assume that that's where your passion started when you were very young. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, I've been singing since I was very, very young. Um, it was more my my mum actually was the one kind of she would hear me sing and she's like, right, I think it's time to get you some singing lessons. And luckily, I was guided by a really great singing teacher um, who really believed in me and pushed me. And I think that's where I found my passion for vocal coaching because I had someone so inspirational who was guiding me yeah that's amazing I mean just from my own personal experience it 100% makes the difference you know even just like the lessons that we did last year I was all of a sudden like oh my goodness I wish I had had someone you know teaching me the these things because you don't realize how technical it is or at least I didn't I know there's so many little tips and tricks um not like quick fixes but there are things that can open your sound up immediately. And a lot of that is stuff I didn't know early on. It's only really the last couple of years of training that's opened my eyes to this kind of stuff because I, I do teach in a quite an, an anatomy-led way. Mm -hmm. And I feel like when you know exactly what you should be doing, like what muscles you should be moving and how you should be breathing... Um, it just opens it up so much more. Yeah, I mean, again, from personal experience, I can completely attest to that. So when you were um, younger, what age did you start singing lessons? I started when I was about 10, um, because me, me and my friend used to do these sketches. We used to write sketches in school, and my music teacher heard some of the stuff we were singing and writing and said that I should get some singing lessons. So <laughs> it, was, it was probably, yeah, about 10 and I had weekly lessons up until really I was about 21. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, quite a lot. 
I mean, it really does drive home the importance of having someone in your corner. You know, like you said, your mom and your music teacher saying to you, like, no, you have a talent, you know, let's nurture that and let's really, you know, get you where you could maybe go because you yourself is 10 years old. Did you envision what you wanted to do or were you just like, this is something I enjoy doing, so I'm going to I'm going to keep going? Yeah, it was something I absolutely loved and I would do amateur dramatics and I did um, all the school plays and um, I just never thought that it would be something I could do professionally. Mm -hmm. None of my friends or no one in my circle was doing that. And when it was time to apply for drama, like for universities, I just, I knew I wanted to do it, but I didn't know how. I didn't know you could train at drama school. I was so mm -hmm. out of the loop with all of it. Um, and I had an amazing drama teacher who kind of guided me and helped me with my applications for drama school. But if it wasn't for her, I would not have known that this was an option. I was going to do an English literature degree. Oh, wow. And try and just find my way to the industry. But actually, those three years at drama school are priceless. They are so, so useful. Yeah, I think, again, you know, you've, you've said it so many times, so many different people have helped you on your way. And it's so important in any career field, like just having that person who believes in you when you don't can be the difference between you actually going on the right path, you know, to your goals or doing, like you said, something completely different. So what was it like going to drama school, going from, you know, being in a very, well, I say quote unquote normal world, you know, just a standard high school to then going into this world of drama and theater? It was pretty amazing. Like it was quite wild, <laughs> but you, I mean, it's like living with your best mates and training with them every day. There were only 16 of us on the course, so it was really quite intimate. And luckily they were just the best people. Um, we got on so well and it is long days. You're doing 10 hour days, Monday to Friday, sometimes Monday to Saturday. Um, and it is very intense. You have to kind of confront every part of yourself if you want to become a truthful actor you you really have to delve deep and I was really lucky to have such a good support system around me um it was predominantly acting led my training it was Royal Central School of Speech and Drama so yeah I was just going to ask that you know what was what was the focus because I think if you ask someone who's never been to drama school and has only, you know, understood it from pop culture. There seems to be a lot of like pretending to be a tree and like improv <laughs> lessons, but I'm a hundred percent sure it's more complicated that than that than that and more challenging. So can you tell me a little bit more about what, like what you actually learned? I mean, there was, there was a bit of tree acting. Animal studies, you had to just be an animal for a couple of weeks, go to the zoo, study your animal and become it. Um, I love, like, I'm sorry, as a zookeeper, that is amazing. I'm just imagining you like in front of like the gorilla exhibit or the, that's, that's amazing. Which was your favorite animal to portray? So mine was the meerkat. <laughs> I just love meerkats. I don't know what it is about them up until very recently. This is, this is embarrassing, but I thought they were, they were human sized. No. <laughs> well, you are very small. 
when I went to the zoo, I was like, "Whoa, the baby ones are so cute. Where, where are the, where are the adult ones?" That that was very embarrassing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not the easiest stuff. animal to act. You know, there's a lot of um, being very startled and being very alert. Um, so you didn't make it easy for yourself. You could have chosen a sloth. Oh, that would have been great. I know I didn't yeah. think it through properly. <laughs> <laughs> you gave yourself a challenge. Um, yeah, so <laughs> we would do, um, yeah, a lot of Shakespeare training, check off, you, you know, really do the heavy texts. And um, then you would do like six hours of dance a week. You had your one-to-one singing lessons, which was really brilliant. Um, and then we would perform shows so there were a lot of rehearsals for your shows and in third year is when you would do your first public performance and what was that like oh it was so nerve-wracking it it would be open to all the industry so casting directors agents and it it was a real shift in in the class i remember we'd had two years of this amazing playfulness just getting to perform every day with without much pressure and all of a sudden you do feel like you become a product you are suddenly Mm. released into the wild and certain people would get loads of agent interest certain people wouldn't get any and neither were more talented than the other but you realize who who was going to be more castable Mm. Uh, what what were people looking for and Mm you suddenly I don't know it did become a different thing and I I can imagine struggled with that yeah I can imagine it came with a lot of pressure and a lot of competition you know like changing that dynamic between you and your fellow students of the camaraderie that you had of oh this is fun and we're having a great time and doing what we love and then all of a sudden the pressure comes of okay drama school isn't forever and I need to get a job what was that like mentally that was really tricky as well because there were only a certain amount of roles for the final year of production and I didn't get a lead um, up until the very final show um, where I was lucky enough to kind of create a role that did suit me nicely but up until then I just wasn't getting any interest. I felt like this was my moment and it wasn't happening and it was really really tough um luckily by the final show I was signed by an agent and it was still it's still quite scary though because you you suddenly don't have that structure anymore I think a lot of people find that when they come out of full-time education you have to get a job and if you're a performer often it's not a job that you want to do you're doing they call it like a muggle job (laughs) (laughs) yeah you're you're doing enough to pay the bills yeah so that was really quite a tricky transition so if you're you know for people like myself who didn't go to drama school and you know don't know the ins and outs of it if you don't get is there are there people that don't get agents at all coming out of drama school like what what's the what are the options for them do they just continue to to try and find one yeah it's it is it feels quite savage and it does feel at the time like you've missed your shot but actually so many performers are unrepresented in the industry and they do well it's then about finding your own work, putting yourself forward, messaging casting directors yourself. But 
for some people, they've actually progressed much further because when you've got an agent, you kind of let them do the work and you trust in them. But an agent, they represent so many actors, Mm. sometimes people with the same casting type as you. So you won't get submitted. Whereas if you're representing yourself, if you're part of like a co-op agency where you can represent yourself and other actors, you, you can be much more proactive and you know yourself better than anyone. So you can really get yourself in the room that you should be in for. So it is it's a tricky one. It does depend on your outlook on it. Obviously, it it is better to come out with representation because then in the industry, it's it does look like you are. Well, yeah, because agents have a reputation. You know, they already have networks. They already know all the best people to contact. So I under completely understand what you're saying. If you represent yourself and you have a good mindset about it, if you, you know, email enough people, if you apply for enough things, absolutely, you can make it work. But, you know, making life a little easier for yourself, you know, getting yourself into the room at the beginning might be easier, you know, with an agent. But thankfully, you came out of drama school with an agent. So, um, <laughs> yeah, go you. So... <laughs> What what did life look like? Were you going out on auditions while working, you know, a standard job and just waiting to get a call? Yes. Um, I When you graduate, you actually tend to get the majority of your auditions straight away. It's actually a bit harder, I found, later on. They love fresh meat. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you can be pigeonholed quite quickly in the industry. So I've done quite a lot of jukebox musicals. Mm. And now I'm fine. For people who don't know what jukebox musical is, can you explain a little bit what that entails? So that's like when they make a musical out of um, pop artists or, you know, just different pop songs. Like And Juliet is just a load of pop songs um, in a show or Mamma Mia's or ABBA. Yeah. And that's that's been predominantly what I've done. Um, So... I actually find it quite hard to get in the room for old school musicals like Oklahoma, mm. Les Mis, um, a, that requires a different kind of style. You can you can be pigeonholed quickly mm. as a certain thing. So actually, graduates, it's it's great. You've got a clean slate. You can go out there and kind of carve the path for you. And I wish I'd I realized the power I had at that time I just took any job that came my way but actually you you can carve out your own kind of path and think what kind of trajectory you want where you want to be going in the industry so how did you feel with those first couple of roles that you did get did you feel like I'm here I've made it I'm a I'm a proper actor now (laughs) um yeah my first job graduating I understudied in a pantomime um, oh my god how fun how it was fun. So fun but it was kind of terrifying because you could be thrown on at any minute for mm. um I was understanding the fairy godmother and um Cinderella and the evil enchantress and Dandini there was all sorts and it, it is quite stressful and I was yeah. last minute as the fairy godmother I think and, what all of us have learned over the past year or so with the pandemic is that understudies and swings are so undervalued or have been up until now you know it's hard enough learning one track you know one role it's hard enough 
to memorize those lines and the choreography and your entrances and exits and where you go, right? To learn four, five, insanity. Did you ever have like the the nightmare of going on stage and I've forgotten my lines? I've luckily I've never. Oh, actually no, that's a lie. Um, <laughs> there was a moment I was um, on for Sophie in Mamma Mia and I hadn't actually. I hadn't rehearsed for months because I was the understudy, so I was thrown on, and it it was all just unfolding around me and I suddenly realized I was in a scene with the amazing Diane Pilkington she's she's like an industry legend and I just looked at her and I was like I have no idea what my next line is and she saw it in my face and she just steered the scene perfectly back to where it should be so so clever she's just an absolute pro so you mentioned there that you did you understudied and then you also played the principal role of Sophie or you kind of did both yeah I got to go on for a month yeah as as Sophie which and this was in the West End yes yeah so what what is the difference I I have a lot of American listeners so the West End is basically Broadway of the UK so what was it like for you the difference between doing you know I, I don't think in the UK we have the same kind of or maybe we do divide between like Broadway and off-Broadway like there's a lot of kind of like judgment and like it's very stereotypical for I think in America at least how I view it but in the UK you know you were doing all of these different productions you know mostly musicals correct yeah 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 and then all of a sudden you have this part in the West End what was that like did you feel like oh my god this is on another level how was that yeah it is insane it's everything that you dream it would be it's like hair and makeup is done for you um you get these shoes fitted and made for your feet that are so expensive it's just unbelievable that i mean sometimes the quality of off west end and west end is the same like performers are equally as talented but the budget is so different. Mm. Oh my goodness, you've got your own dresser. Um, it's it's just like, I, I felt like every day I was so lucky to just be part mm-hmm. of such an amazing machine. Like everyone is so incredibly talented and passionate about what they do. Um, it was, yeah, it was the most fun year ever. And the costumes were just amazing as well. But what was it like? Because, you know, when Sophie is the principal lead character of Mamma Mia, so that brings its own pressure, you know, of leading a company. What was that like? Yes, it was incredibly daunting. And I don't think I quite appreciated the magnitude of the Mm. situation because when I was thrown on that first night, you get very little notice as an understudy. Mm -hmm. But I thought, oh, I'll be fine. And I invited all my friends and family. I'm talking about. <gasps> oh, my God. You didn't. I, I don't know what I was thinking. I was like, oh, it's going to be absolutely great. And she opens the show with this gorgeous song, I Have a Dream. And the curtain rose. And I just saw a sea of a thousand faces. 
and uh, it was my my moment to sing and I felt like I was sat on a washing machine I was that nervous I couldn't mm. get my breath it was like I have a dream oh, no. <laughs> I couldn't control anything and then it felt like I was strapped into this roller coaster that I just couldn't get off I knew yeah. the show had started it's going with or without you exactly and I'm yeah like, oh my goodness I'm not now a hundred percent sure what I'm doing but here mm -hmm. I am and we're just gonna give it our best shot <laughs> which you absolutely did you absolutely did but did you ever have a moment after that you know when it hit you oh my god like this this is on me like I am the star of the show essentially <laughs> did you ever have an element of like imposter syndrome they're being like, why, why am I doing this? Massive. I mean, this is a recurring theme for me. Um, I often feel, I think a lot of us do, you know, what, what am I doing here? Sometimes it would be so surreal. Um, but it was, yeah, it was quite a, really quite a daunting thing, but such, such an amazing thing and such a supportive company. I knew that if at any point things, you know, started to spiral or, you know, you would be so supported. Everyone was on your side, willing you on. Um, and it got massively easier. That first night was so terrifying, but after that, the show is just so much fun. It's ridiculous. You're surrounded as well by all these men, these topless men. <laughs> <laughs> There's that scene, lay all your love on me. Um, where they, the boys come out with their flippers yeah. and I would just stand there like, how is this my life? I'm yeah, like, how am I getting paid to do this? To do this? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. And I think as well, I love the the part where you spoke about how the whole company was very supportive of you and, and of everyone, of each other. And I think that's also something a lot of people who aren't, you know, maybe in the industry don't realize because for people who don't do it to that level, but still enjoy drama, what their experience might be is, you know, high school productions or, you know, where everyone auditions for the lead role. And then if they don't get it, you're kind of like dispersed throughout the rest of the production. So there's always usually like residual jealousy or something like that of whoever is playing the main character. Um, yeah. It's not the same when you're doing it professionally, is it? No, it's, it's so supportive. Um, I think what was tricky was going on as the lead and then going back to my normal track. And my normal track was so much fun. I was Ali, so one of the one of Sophie's friends. And we would come on and sing Honey Honey at the start. And you had the Hindu and the wedding at the end. It was, it was such a good track. But once you've done something like that, you've led a company and you you know you've seen your name up there yeah you're getting like really nice reviews and then to go back to mm. normal track I, I did find that hard and I think yeah it was that was a really kind of tough thing to ever talk about because mm. you just feel like you should be so grateful anyway um but 
really nothing quite beats that moment when you get to sing and shine and the lights are on you and it's just amazing yeah because yeah. it is obviously a lot of pressure um and I know there's pe- a lot of people out there who never want to audition for for lead roles because they would much rather you know do ensemble or different tracks that that don't have the same pressure as someone of leading a company um but you said you got a taste for it and you loved it um playing Sophie in Mamma Mia so when you know that contract ended where did you go because in your line of work it really is you take work where it is and then when your contract's done you're kind of left trying to figure out okay well well, what's next completely that was a real shock to the system once it finished um I was doing children's parties so I was dressed as Elsa um singing let it go at a kids party and there were moments where I just think oh how did we get here yeah <laughs> but there is- it must mess with you mentally yeah oh it really does because you watch people that you shared the stage with for a year that just go on and do job after job after job they're they they're really carving a name for themselves in the industry and for some people it just didn't happen as quickly or we're all very different so the right thing comes around at different times absolutely and when I'm I'm much more of a singer actor I wish I I mean I, I do dance but I'm not an amazing you're a dancer. mover I'm a mover so <laughs> often you know the the kind of roles that I would want to do they don't come around that often mm. um so it's hard to kind of remember that and remember that it's worth waiting around for something you really want to do. And I, at points, I did take jobs that actually weren't what I wanted to do. And that's that's harder. I'd rather be doing just a job that pays the bills until something really good comes along than just take everything that comes your way in the industry. Yeah. Do you think, was that kind of a moment for you where you decided to explore vocal coaching a little bit more because it's obviously something you're incredibly passionate about that allowed you to kind of fill that gap of time and obviously earn money for yourself but also work with your passion as well yes so the vocal coaching came about because I actually struggled quite a bit with acid reflux so I know a lot of singers do and I suffered a massive loss of confidence with my voice. This was after Mamma Mia. And I think looking back, it was very much an emotional kind of stress induced thing because nothing would help it. And doctors would say, you've got, you've got laryngitis and oh, now you've got pharyngitis. And uh, eventually it was diagnosed as reflux. And yeah, nothing I took would kind of easy I lost my voice for about six months oh my goodness no I was still auditioning I was going up for really great roles in the West End but I was going in and not doing a good job I was I didn't understand what was happening to my voice and it was so emotional because it's your voice it's it's something I'd worked on my whole life and it wasn't behaving the way it should. And it, it was a bit like that actually during Mamma Mia and I didn't realize what was happening. I mean, that must be terrifying because not only is your voice what you love, you know, because you you adore singing and it's your passion, but it's also your livelihood and what you're trained in. So to then lose that, that must be really, really traumatic. Oh, it, 
it really was traumatic and it it just it got to a point where I just had to take a couple of months out of the industry of everything I had to just move home and completely kind of rehabilitate my body and my voice and I'm so glad I did that because if I'd have just carried on singing on it and kind of embarrassing myself in auditions because I I would go in and I wouldn't be able to hit the notes that I normally could and I never said to the panel like this isn't me this, I don't yeah. know what's happening I just sort of I just would go oh, thank you very much bye <laughs> like, <laughs> leave my dignity on the floor um and yeah there's a big part of me that wishes I I'd handled it differently but hindsight is an amazing thing yeah. and this is what led me really to want to help others because I, I then developed performance anxiety from mm. not knowing how my voice was going to come out. Um, and I'd, I'd lost a lot of myself throughout that time. Mm -hmm. And vocal coaching, I, I can sometimes see it in people when they feel like they, they don't quite know how to use their voice or they've, they've been told things along their journey that's stopped them from fulfilling their full potential. Yeah. Their sound. And for me, that now just feels like such a passion to get people to a place where they fully understand how to use their voice and they feel comfortable enough with me to open up and you know what it's like. You've got to make these weird sounds. Yeah. To get those high yeah. notes. You are going to freak your neighbors it. out. Yeah. They're yeah. going to be like, what the hell is, is going on? Exactly. And once you let go and you really like, when I see people hit that note, they never thought possible. I had this with you when we were singing. Oh my goodness. Show yourself. Yeah. From Frozen 2. Yeah. And it was the best thing ever because the shock on your face of, oh my goodness, I I can hit these notes. I mean, I, what's more, I can hit these notes without sounding like a strangled cat um, <laughs> <laughs> was uh, the realization. But yeah, absolutely. And everything you've said there is totally right. You know, just the position that you're standing in or, you know, the way that you breathe or how like we were doing stuff with my jaw and your tongue and, you know, all of these things to help. And honestly, like, I wish that I had had someone when I was younger who had, who had taught me that because I feel like by this point, I would have had so much more understanding of how to use my voice properly without hurting it. Um, so what would your advice be to anyone who is out there, regardless of what age they are, you know, to start vocal coaching? Yeah. Um, whenever a new person starts with me they always say how nervous they are and you can see they're visibly shaking because it is such an exposing thing but as soon as we're half hour in and we've had a chat and we've done some warm-ups and we've just had a little sing that's when the fun really begins yeah um, and it does feel like I, I feel so lucky to be on people's vocal journeys in that way um, I mean I must say you are so easy you're the easiest person to work with like you make everyone feel so comfortable um I mean personally I've never struggled with confidence <laughs> like I never thought that's been my problem um I've always struggled with frustration of not being able to like to do it properly um 
but yeah, exploring it with you was just, was just so fun. And I've seen, you know, other people who have had um, lessons with you talk about, you know, how they've come on leaps and bounds. Um, have any of your um, pupils gone on to drama school or, you know, even the West End or other musicals? Yes, I've got people who have been working in marketing for years and they've got into drama school. Um, and even if it's like a one year MA course, that is that's all you need to just springboard into the industry you know get your showcase get agents come and watch cast and directors um and yeah I've, I've got a couple of people auditioning for drama school at the moment they've got through a couple of rounds already and it's so exciting and for me it's it's the same kind of thrill that I get when I'm doing it when I see someone growing confidence to the point where they feel like they can pursue this as a career and they are nailing it every time we sing their their belief system has completely changed and they actually know that it's going to come out the way they want it to every time they're confident enough to do it it's it's I think that's a really good feeling yeah I think that's a really good point and certainly when I was younger I didn't understand it but there's an element of working the song in to you and to your voice and and when you've sung it enough times in enough different ways and you've sung it badly and sung it amazingly there is an element of almost muscle memory where you realize I need to place it this way for this part and I need to stand this way for this part. And there's there's so many mechanical parts moving. It's so much more than just singing. Completely. I, I wish I knew this earlier on, that your voice has this muscle memory. And you will hear performers say, oh, I can sing that song in my sleep on a hangover with a cold because your voice just knows where to go with it and that would be my major advice for anyone auditioning or if you've got a performance coming up sing it in as much as possible like don't don't go mad with it but just make sure your voice knows exactly where it's going with it and that's why people will often rotate between the same two audition songs for everything because they just know it shows them off perfectly well I mean speaking of you know audition songs is there am I right in saying you know for the most part you need to match the song to whatever you're auditioning for like you wouldn't go in and sing a jukebox musical song for Les Mis um but the people that you're auditioning for essentially are just looking to make sure your voice can do what it needs to do correct correct and it's it's really good actually to sing it in different ways before you go in the room because I've had it recently where the musical director has said okay can you now belt that top note and now let's do it again can you mix it and mixes that blend between chest and head voice um that they're looking for to see where you slot into the company because mixing is such a good thing to do if you're in the ensemble and you you know they want that blend of voices they want to know how you use your voice, how skilled you are with it. Um, So that's something I do a lot of with my singers before they go into an audition. We'll just try it different ways and I'll throw different things at them in the room so that when they actually come to do the audition, they are fully prepped for it. That's amazing. That sounds like such worthwhile training to have, you know, for I think for anyone, regardless of what you're auditioning for, you know, if you need 
to understand how to properly control your voice and alter things. I think that sounds like it would be so unbelievably worthwhile. But do you get a lot of people who are potentially going at this a little bit later in life? Would you say that it's ever too late to try and retrain your voice or learn to sing or, you know, audition for musicals? I honestly believe it is never too late. Yes, it's easier when you're younger, as everything is, you know, learning an instrument or learning to dance. But you can come at this at any point in your life. My oldest is about 82, I think. Wow. I know. And it's it's just amazing. And, you know, it may take us a tiny bit longer to embed these techniques and really you know cement everything but it it's never too late there's there's still changes happening in her voice and um i think if you are passionate enough and this is something i've found massively through vocal coaching that's helped me so much as a performer you have to believe that you can do it and you have to really check in with yourself how am i speaking to myself before i go on stage am i saying you're never going to hit that note. It's never going to come out the way you want it to. Or are you saying, I've showed up for myself so many times and I've got it right every time. I know exactly what I'm supposed to be doing with my body, with my voice. And it's, I'm going to nail this and I'm going to really enjoy it. It is such a self-fulfilling prophecy. The way you speak to yourself, I think, might be the most important part of singing. That belief that you need. Um, and that's that's my favorite part of the job is making people believe they can do it and seeing the effect that has the moment they go, oh, my God, I, I can actually do this. It opens up so much more. We'll be doing songs they never thought possible because they just suddenly have this belief that it's going to yep. happen. Yep. It's it's so amazing to watch people that you've mentored you know myself and my coach I'm not a singing teacher but in my coaching with my mentees as well sometimes just having someone saying that they can do it and believing in it for them makes all the difference sometimes you just need someone in your corner and I think that's an incredible message so what's next for you because your business has been booming So are you focusing more on the vocal coach side of things or are you still performing? So I'm, yeah, I'm at that point where I am trying to find the balance. Now everything's opened up, auditions are coming about again. And I've got to say it was lovely during the pandemic. This is awful, but when auditions had stopped completely for the first time in my adult life, I just took the pressure off and I just really fell in love with singing again because I wasn't doing it for anyone. I wasn't doing it to get a job or doing it to impress or doing it to get paid. I was just singing because I love singing. Yeah. And I want to maintain that as much as possible moving forward. So there is a part of me that thinks I'm so happy vocal coaching. And if the right thing came along. Yeah. for me, a dream role has always been Eponini Mamies. That, <gasps> like, oh, yeah. that would be incredible. Um, if something, if it all just worked out. Yeah, if everything fell into place. <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah. Wow. Um, but yeah, the ideal would be to perform on the West End again in the evening and, and be teaching in the days. That would be absolutely ideal. 
Uh, yeah. but I'm just I'm so happy vocal coaching. I know I I teach from Soho and it's it's just amazing. I'll go and watch a show afterwards and I just feel like yeah, life is pretty beautiful right now. <laughs> yeah, and I think you absolutely deserve, you know, all of your success for sure. So if anyone wants to uh sign up for singing lessons with you, where can they find you? Oh, I am on Instagram at singing with Louise. Um, and my website is Louise Young Vocal Coach. Yes. Um, yeah, and, and I will share uh, all the links. I will share oh, all the links in the description you. anyway. So please don't worry if uh, if you didn't catch that. You will definitely be able to find her. And she comes highly recommended by myself. <laughs> uh, yeah. So you guys should definitely go and check her out. Oh, thank you. But it was so lovely to sit and talk with you again. It has been far too long since our last conversation. This has definitely given me the kick up the butt that I needed to get back on with my own singing lessons. Definitely. I love our lessons. Yeah. Great songs as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, it goes back to what you were saying. You know, we all love singing for fun. So, you know, learning to sing songs that you love for the first time, singing, hitting those notes and singing them properly, it is almost addictive I want to say I think it's the best kind of therapy Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know if my neighbors would feel the same but (laughs) (laughs) I think they would prefer if I sang like some soft jazz or something instead of these big musical numbers but hey but they are the most fun aren't they they are indeed (laughs) well I am going to wish you the absolute best of luck with everything. And thank you so much for being here with me today. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It's been so much fun. Thank you everyone for listening. If you have enjoyed this week's episodes, then please do not forget to like, rate and subscribe. Sharing on social media is always a bonus. And don't forget to tag me at Dreaming with Hazel on Instagram. And I will catch you guys next week.